We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow the podcast on twitter at pack a day podcast you can follow me at andy herman nfl you can follow our guests perry goldstein and alex strofe We'll give you their Twitter handles in just a moment, but I'm so excited to be joined by them and talk Super Bowl and Packers coaching moves and everything else. Alex, let's start with you. How are you doing? Where can we follow you? Uh, I'm good, Andy. You can find me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. I just wish we were talking Packers Super Bowl. Sunday was uh, Sunday was a sad day. It was. Perry, how are you doing? Where can we follow you? And how are you feeling? <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Perry underscore Goldstein. Uh, I agree with Alex's sentiment. It was a wonderful day of football, but it's just never as good if the Packers aren't playing and it's sad and I'm feeling great otherwise. Yeah, it's an interesting day. I like, I was totally fine. Bengals chiefs. Like that was, I I didn't, I didn't think too much about it. And then that game ended and I'm like, Oh, I would have been at a Packer game at Lambeau field right now. Had this been going on. And then you see the 49ers playing and you see, Matthew Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo doing everything they could to give the ball away at inopportune times to lose the game. And yet you feel like green Bay should be there. It felt like the Packers had it. Like I posted this on Twitter and Perry, you had a great response. The Packers to win a Lombardi that it would have been 49ers at home, Rams at home, Bengals in the Super Bowl. all three Perry, as you mentioned, what did you say? Beat all three of them in the regular season already beat all three in the regular season and let's be fair the Bengals the 49ers the Rams all of them better in the playoffs than they were at any point in the regular season however it didn't mean that Green Bay couldn't also have been better in the postseason than they were in the regular season especially with all the players that they were getting back and certainly certainly not out of the realm of possibility to be able to go 49ers at home Rams at home Bengals in the Super Bowl and run the table to win that Super Bowl go Perry Sad. No, just deep sigh. Sad when you say it like that. Cause like I talk about this with friends who are really into other sports and they just find that the concept of football being like one and done so crazy because basketball, hockey, 
baseball every other you get like best three out of five best five best and whatever it is like you get to make mistakes and in football if you have one bad game like it's done and then you just see that with the Packers and like you're listing all these teams that they needed to go through and you think to yourself as a fan like I've seen them play a better game and beat all three of these teams yet the one day that they needed to show up they just didn't and it happens it's always an interesting dynamic right because March Madness and NFL playoffs to me are the most exciting, uh, you know, tournaments due to the fact that it's single elimination and the stakes are so incredibly high. However, I think you can make a strong argument that they do maybe the, the worst job of actually crowning the rightful champion, right? Like, I think if we were like, I always think of Patriots giants, right? Like Patriots giants, undefeated Patriots. Like if you play that, if that's a best of seven, the giants don't stand a chance in a best of seven against that Patriots team. It's clearly the Patriots were the best team all season long and arguably the champion of that season, but that it's a one game elimination, but it, man, it doesn't make it so freaking exciting when you get to these single eliminations. I saw somebody post on Twitter too, and I'd love both of your thoughts on this because I didn't agree with it. I, I forget, forget who it was off the top of my head, but they said basically that like, they didn't, they didn't like, I think it was especially the Bengals winning and and how this playoffs ended up because they said it wasn't indicative of who the best teams were all season long ending up in the Super Bowl. And I completely disagree with that. And the fact, or at least in the effect that I feel like this postseason was completely indicative of how the regular season was. Anything could have happened on any given week. Every team had flaws. Every, like every team in the playoffs had some really good players. There's a couple teams like your Eagles or things like that, that probably weren't going to make a run. But for the most part, this felt from like when the playoffs kicked off until now, like anything could and will happen. And I think the definition of that is a Rams Bengals Super Bowl, which I'm frankly looking forward to. No, I am too. But, but to your point, right. I mean, I think what the NFL thrives on noise has thrived on is the parody, right? I mean, we talk about those, those leagues that are best of five, best of seven playoff series. Typically the favorite comes out and with the NFL, like you said, you never know what the hell's going to happen. That's why we have that phrase any given Sunday. Right. And, and that's, that's what makes this league so fun is the amount of parody and this season, especially, I mean, looking at the Packers, right? Like they get blown out in week one to the freaking New Orleans saints who started like 63 players this year or whatever it was. And uh, you know, it's just, it's all over the place. And, and, you know, if you have that Packers 49ers best of seven series, I was thinking about this earlier today is, the Packers win that series pretty handedly, but it's, it's winner go home every game. And that's, that's how we got here, right? Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford for the Super Bowl, just like everybody expected. I love it. I love this. I love the Super Bowl matchup. I mean, I don't love the idea of a super team being rewarded for very like reckless spending behavior, actually making it to the big game. And I guess maybe we can talk about that, like their idea of going all in. I just don't think it's the right way to do things, but if it pays off for them, then like, great, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl. Um, as far as the AFC, I actually think the AFC, um, playoff picture so far has been like a complete, completely like what the regular season was, Like it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. There was really no clear favorite. I know the chiefs ended up becoming the favorite, but I think like, if you asked us like halfway through the season, we would say, I don't know. I mean, the chiefs don't look like the chiefs, like they could lose. You never know. Um, so it's kind of fun that like an underdog that's really easy to root for is actually making it to the super bowl. And, I think in a year or two, it would have been, it'll be very clear that like this was, could potentially be like Joe Burrow's moment, like his moment where he becomes the next 
big thing. And it's really interesting to me too, that like, it's the second year starting that seems to be like that time where it starts to really like click, you know, like it did for Rogers. It did for Mahomes. Um, it even did for like Josh Allen, although I think it was more like year three, but I don't know, maybe it's now we're going to look back on this and think, okay, Joe Burrow in that AFC championship game against Patrick Mahomes, where he ousted him at Arrowhead. Like that was when we should have known it's Joe. I don't know if, if you guys caught this, but I think it was Nance, maybe it was Romo, but I think it was Nance who's like made the comparison of like, as Brady walks away, now Joe Burrow is like starting to come up and like start his own legacy or whatever. Like obviously like putting anyone in the same breath of, as Brady, even at, at this stage in their career is ridiculous. But as I was going through that, there did feel like some comparison to Brady, like rookie Brady, right? Like you're, you're a complete underdog team, Patriots, Bengals, very similar. And who did the Patriots play in that very first Super Bowl where that Brady won? The Rams, greatest show on turf, and they pick up the win in that game. And now it'll be Joe Burrow versus the Rams. So maybe one legacy ends uh, with potential Brady retirement. I know it's still all over ESPN, even though it's been a little bit disputed and certainly not confirmed. Uh, but it may be another legacy picks right up. I, we've talked about this. Everyone's talked about this, but the state of the quarter, quarterbacking, especially in the AFC, even if Rodgers and Brady and Roethlisberger are all set to step away, not long after Drew Brees steps away. And it's so on and so like all this, like, man, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert, like there are some just dynamic fun, young quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson won an MVP yeah. a couple of seasons ago. You know, you can't exactly leave him out of that discussion. Kyler Murray was well within the MVP discussion uh, earlier this season. Like it's just, it's a very exciting time for, for these young quarterbacks and they're showing that they can hang with anyone in, in Burrow. I mean, man, what a performance by him throughout, throughout this postseason. I haven't heard anybody that hates Joe Burrow yet. Right. I mean, he's oh. just, he's so easy to like, and you know, I tweeted this during the wild card weekend, but Man, that connection between him and Jamar Chase is going to be something special, man. If we don't get Rodgers Devontae again in 2022, is that the next best duo? I mean, come on. It's, it is so much fun to watch. I mean, Mahomes Tyreek Hill is freak show as well. Yes. As much as we don't love to get, you know, give Tyreek Hill a ton of props, but <laughs> right. um, Mahomes Tyreek Hill is right there. Um, but certainly Burrow and Chase are in that conversation. Rodgers and Adams, if they're back together in that conversation, but um, man, I mean, for the age that both Burrow and, yeah. and uh, Chase are, it's insane. I mean, I think they, it's going to change drafting. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's a silly question, but I'm thinking about like, because you also have Tua and Waddle because they played together in college as well. And that connection is wonderful. And then you look at Jamar and and Joe Burrow. And I wonder if teams are thinking, okay, let's just go get our quarterbacks like number one from college. Well, I mean, look at the final four, right? Like every one of them had a dynamic. We lost Alex. We have a dynamic uh, playmaker and he's back, I think. But you look at Debo Samuel for the 49ers, Cooper Cup for the, the, the Rams. You've got Jamar Chase for the Bengals. And then um, for the Chiefs, you had Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. So like every one of these QBs in the final four, and you can even go past that, right? Like the Buccaneers had Evans, the Packers had Devontae Adams. Like you can continue to go. You better have a really you know dynamic weapon for one of your playmakers. And I think every one of these teams has it. So yeah, when you get a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you, you better make it work and get him a, a weapon like a Jamar Chase. Yeah. So, so wild. It is. Right, bye, Alex. Bye, Alex. I guess. I don't know if Alex is coming back. He said, decided to crash. You will be right back. You got to love the joys of technology. Well, I want to ask you that. Well, let's start by recapping, uh, you know, these games. We don't have to go in great detail. I think everyone was probably watching them, but 
AFC Championship game. Of course, we get this epic, you know, uh, you know, clash between the the Chiefs and the Bengals, where uh, everything's going the Chiefs' way, and then the Bengals storm back, make a comeback. You have just epic mistakes by the Chiefs, like before halftime. I thought the two red zone plays to bookend the game, or like bookend the first half, bookend the second half with uh, the mistake to, you know, not just throw it out of the end zone and kick a field goal and then taking the sack and almost losing the fumble by Mahomes and not being able to get in the end zone. I think that what like second and goal from the four, those, those collapses on, the, you know, in the end zone, the red zone, I thought were the difference in the game. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting as I was watching. I, I, I think I always am making like Packers comparisons in my head. Um, and I was just thinking like Mahomes is holding on the ball too long. He's trying to like kind of play hero ball and just like felt like they were trying to score, even though they were up so many points, all the momentum felt like it was in the Bengals favor. And the chiefs were trying to score like 21 points with every possession that they, they had instead of just like going out and playing their brand of football. But I think that you have to kind of give the Bengals defense a lot of credit there to hold the chiefs offense to three points in the second half. Again, like very, we've seen this happen to the Packers being on the other end of that and you just have to give a defense credit for being able to stop such a such an explosive offense in the second half. Yeah, you do. And then, so I thought that was kind of the story of that first game. And then in the second game, you know, another two evenly matched teams. Actually, I just want to go back for a second to your comment about hero ball, because I feel like this is the anti-hero ball playoffs. So you had Rodgers trying to do too much, I think, against the 49ers, and it backfired. I thought you had Mahomes try to do too much against the Bengals, and it backfired. Um, I thought you, you know, you saw basically both Stafford, well, Garoppolo's season basically ended with him trying to throw a ridiculous, you know, underhanded throw, you know, to, I think it was hasty on the play, but um, you, yeah. you had Stafford, even though he's moving on, make a couple throws in this game where hero ball almost cost him the game. If, if they pick off that pass that he throws over the middle of the field and not drop an easy interception, I think 49ers probably move on and are playing in the Super Bowl, honestly. So, you know, hero ball, not, not working so great in this postseason. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, not at all. And I mean, has it 
does it ever, I mean, I guess we've seen a couple hero ball games from Rogers where he just like puts the whole team on his back when he was at his, like, I guess, first prime, since he's kind of in a, like a late, late career prime right now. But like at this point, I think the way that the NFL, the way NFL offenses are set up, like you have to play in structure and you have to play in rhythm and all you're trying to do, at least in my mind in the postseason, is you're just trying to pressure as much as possible. Just like rattle them, get to them, don't give them time. And so, you know, going into these games, like you're going to be facing tons of pressure and so you have to get the ball out quickly. You can't just hold on to these things. And I, yes, Mahomes can run around and he can extend plays, but then you're, you're looking at like the Bengals did a great job of covering all of his weapons. And then he just gets a coverage sack on it. So I don't know. Yeah. Just get the ball out quickly. I guess is the answer here. Alex, welcome back. Uh, your thoughts on either AFC championship game, NFC championship game, just open forum here. Any, any thoughts from either game? Well, I guess more NFL playoffs overall, right? I don't know if you hit on this, but it's like the last six games, last week into this week, and every game's been down to the wire, just absolutely thrilling. And that includes, unfortunately, the Packers lost last week. And uh, this is the best. I mean, you, you said earlier, Andy, you think the NFL playoffs probably the best tournament style. Who is it provided this year? And it's, it's that parody I talked about a bit before, but um, you know, good for Matt Stafford, right? I mean, he, he sucked in this division for so long. He didn't individually, his team did, but, uh, to see him get a shot, uh, you know, even as a Packers fan, pretty darn cool to see him finally get to that stage. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, man, it's impossible to cheer against Joe Burrow. I'm on the who day bandwagon for a couple <laughs> more weeks. And I agree with you on Stafford. It is really nice yeah. to see because when I was thinking about the final four and who I would like to see in the Super Bowl. Like Joe Burrow, obviously, it's just like an underdog story is so fun. And I think he is going to become like one of the next great quarterbacks that we watch. And it's less fun to watch the same team win all the time in the right. Chiefs. I know, you know, so I was that one was easy. But for me, when I was looking at this, I was like, am I tainted because the Niners just beat the Packers or is Matt Stafford just the best quarterback in this matchup? And I think when I think about both teams, like he is Jimmy G, I think this discourse happened throughout the whole week. Right. But the rest of his team carries him and he's not, he's not going to be able. And we saw it in this game, like to put together like a game winning drive against a really good team. And I just think that Matt Stafford was just stuck in a place where like his, his arm and his talent couldn't get showcased well enough. And now he's with a team where it does. And you can see that he's actually like an incredibly talented, talented player. So I'm excited for him to get his moment. Yeah. And I think back to your point earlier, Perry, I do think that this is going to be an interesting matchup in team building styles, right? The Bengals very draft and develop for the most part. I'm not saying they haven't added a Trey Hendrickson or some guys here and there, but man, Joe Burrow draft pick, Joe Mixon draft pick T Higgins draft pick, you know, Jamar chase draft pick Jonah Williams draft pick Jesse Bates on defense draft pick. Like they have gone, they've, you know, when you're picking in the top five every single year, that can certainly (laughs) buoy your chances of building in that direction. But they have done a great job of drafting and they've developed this team and they, they, I mean, they've really sort of built it from scratch and haven't had this sort of all in mentality that some of these other teams have taken the Rams, almost the exact opposite. Matthew Stafford traded for Odell Beckham picked up, uh, you know, off of waivers midseason. Von Miller traded for this season, Jalen Ramsey traded for what a couple seasons ago, but it's not to say that they haven't had some huge hits as well. Aaron Donald, of course, uh, being the big one there, but Andrew Whitworth, big time free agent signing. Like this team is surrounded by, for the most part, by guys that um, have been acquired via waivers, free agency or trade. 
And again, you still have to have some level of success. Guys like Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Aaron Donald, they've definitely hit on those as well. Um, but again, Leonard Floyd, another free agent pickup. Like, I do think that you are going to see teams, I think teams have already taken note of what the Rams have done this year and said, okay, we can go out and we can acquire some top end talent and have an all in season. And if we have the right pieces, we can still go out and compete for a Super Bowl. I think had the Rams fallen flat this year after going and getting, you know, Beckham and Von Miller and, and Matthew Stafford specifically this season, I think it's a totally different. I think GMs probably get more scared off and, you know, we can, uh, Perry, I'll, I'll ask your thoughts on this first, but I actually think to some extent that that makes the NFL a bit more exciting when teams are willing to do those sort of things. I just think it creates more trades. I think it creates more opportunities. I think it creates more excitement during different points of the season when these moves are being made. Um, I actually think that it's better for players because you see teams taking money from future caps to put money into this singular season, which then continues to happen. Um, and you all of a sudden see a lot more money given out to players in an individual season. So I think there's actually some positives that come out of that, but I'd be interested in your thoughts as well. I have really mixed feelings about it because I do agree that it gives players like a little bit more control and autonomy, um, which is nice, right? It's been like pretty, it's pretty uneven. Like, I don't right. think that's a crazy thing to say. Um, so like getting to kind of choose a little bit more about where you want to go based off like what the team wants to do and how they're going to build around you. Like OBJ got to just basically say, I want to go to the Rams. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll give it to you. I do think that it makes um, internal like personnel, GMs, et cetera, like have to make smarter decisions. If that's something that they yep. do want to do is go out and get big free agents and you have to be more careful with the cap, et cetera. So I do think that there's going to be some positives from it, but the, I don't ever want, and I don't know if this would happen. This is probably an extreme, but I think the draft needs to continue to have like the topmost value for sure. And, and, and it will, it will. But at the same time, like, I think that if a team thinks that they can go build in free agency, then I don't know how that affects the way the draft is going to be is going to end up like playing out. And again, I don't think the draft will ever lose the value that it has, but I don't think, it, I think you should still be trying to build the way that the Packers, Bengals, et cetera, do, which is around your draft picks. I think it just gives, I think there's always more than one way to do things. And I think when anyone just gets kind of stuck in the way of like, well, this is how everyone's done it. And we have to do it that way forever. I think the Rams have gone out and sort of said, you know what? we're going to trade a bunch of our draft picks because we're going to be picking towards the end. And if we can get Jalen Ramsey's and we can get Matthew Stafford's and we like, we can't find those players picking at pick 25 in the draft. Like we're, we'd rather give up draft picks to get those sort of players and bring those sort of players in and build that way and sign up, you know, a franchise left tackle and Andrew Whitworth and sign a pass rusher and Leonard Floyd. If they, if they want to mortgage some of the future and, and build their team that way, I think they've shown that you can do that as well. And I think, you know, for, for teams that maybe aren't consistently picking towards the top of the draft and may not have the ability to get your Joe Burrows and your Jamar Chases and those sort of players each and every year, I think this gives, it shows that there's other ways that you can go about building a team and that there's no one way, you know, draft and develop works. And we've seen it in Green Bay work for a long period of time. Um, but I think we're starting to see more and more. All right, but there's there's different ways you can do that. I think the best GMs are going to, and I think Brian Gutekunst is overall a great example of this. He's going to use every avenue that he can to improve the team. And I think the best GMs in the league are, are doing that. But don't you think it shortens the window of time to be successful, like immensely? It just makes every move make higher, 
higher risk and higher stakes. And like, that's not always a good thing because that those kinds of moves, if they backfire, get you fired, right? Like the Rams obviously going to the Super Bowl means everybody is safe. McVay is safe. Snead is safe. Like everybody's safe because they actually did it. But if they lost or if they lose, even if they lose in the Super Bowl, I don't, I don't think so. But let's say they lose in the wild card round. Then it's like, they did all this and they've completely tanked Mm -hmm. the next four years that's the kind of stuff that gets people fired. So right. I think you have to be really careful about the moves yet that you do make. Well, yeah, I mean, as, I, as I'm listening to you guys mull this over, I'm trying to think of recent examples, right? Because there obviously is no not one singular way to get to get here. But Tampa Bay was kind of a good example of, of a mixture of, of both of these Brady. teams, right? But going out and getting Brady, getting Fournette, getting Antonio Brown, Brown, getting getting Gronk, right? I mean, so they made the moves last year, but – I, I don't know. Whenever I hear the term super team, which I think was brought up earlier, uh, I think back to that. What was it? The 2012 Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. The super team that they built then and that epically flopped. So uh, it doesn't always work this way, but, but the last two years, it seems it has in the NFC. So it is interesting. And obviously, you know, in a Packers sense, they, they tried to make some splashes, some of those low risk high reward moves, but they didn't have the bankroll for it this year. So it's uh it's tough. I mean, you're definitely stuck in the middle, seeing a team like the Rams, have so much success going that that route, Andy. I think what we're going to see is more volatility. I think you're going to see less dynasties. And I think you're going to see, because I just think there's going to be three to four or five teams every single year that are going to start taking this mentality of really going all in and saying, we're going to try to win right now. And I think because of that, you're going to see some high peaks where these teams like, you know, like the Rams, potentially the Buccaneers. Now the Buccaneers probably lose Brady, probably lose Gronk, probably lose, you know, obviously lost Antonio Brown. There's some other guys. You're probably going to see them be bad. We saw the Saints go all in. Drew Brees, we got to get him one last, you know, try to run at the Super Bowl. And now Sean Payton's gone. Uh, Drew Brees is gone. You're going to see this team get decimated now because they don't have the cap to sort of keep everything together. You're going to see them probably have a major lull. So I think you're going to see some peaks and some of those teams like the Buccaneers last year, like potentially the Rams this year, they may hit, but I think you're going to see some teams that have done it and do not hit and it's going to really set them back and you're going to see um, much more volatility. And and I think some of those teams bottom out, like I think we'll probably see with the Bucs and the Saints and the Packers are going to be an interesting case study as well from how much they've borrowed from the future and look to maybe potentially do that again really quick because we got to move to some Packers stuff, but you're way too early Super Bowl prediction, Rams, Bengals, Perry, who you got? Oh my, I'm all Bengals. I I have a feeling that probably won't pan out, but I am just all Bengals. I think it'll be another Evan McPherson field goal. Um, I hope it's high scoring because that's fun, like a, you know, 35, 32 situation, you know, but um, yeah, I think more realistically, maybe like 31, 28, but I'm, I'm all in on Joe, Joe Burrow. Alex? Uh, yeah, I got to go with Perry. I was just checking there. I wasn't being rude and texting in the middle of it. I was trying to see if there was any lines out yet to see who was favored, but I don't see anything quite yet. But uh, I, I agree. Like I'm riding this train all the way. I'll, I'll take Joe Burrow and company, but uh, I hope it's a good one, right? Like I'm just cheering for a good game. I was cheering for new teams. We got the new teams. Uh, it, well, I guess the Rams were in it a couple of years back, but but overall, right? New teams in both conferences. Uh, so I'm just here for the fun, Andy, but I'll, I'll, I'll roll with the bangles. I'll go Rams just to be contrarian uh, and not have the same answer as you guys. I definitely think Whoa. the Bengals can win as well, but um, I, how crazy would it be if we're all talking about like this, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, 
and it's Zach Taylor that gets the Super Bowl from that yeah. tree of all uh, of those. Like how how just insane would that whole thing be? So I'm excited. I can't wait for the game. I think it's going to be super exciting. I think you see some fresh blood with the Bengals and I think those stories are always the best. So very, very excited about that. So let's move to some Packers stuff. Luke Butkus promoted to the offensive line coach. Um, that has been not confirmed by the Packers, but reported on uh, numerous different sources. So uh, it sounds like Green Bay has their new line coach with Adam Stenovich moving into the offensive coordinator role. Um, Alex, uh, thoughts on Butkus and kind of where Green Bay's headed with their, their coaching positions? Yeah, I mean, it has been a whirlwind this week, right? A lot to, a lot to keep track of. Uh, so we get the butt kiss and Chicago gets Getzy is now my understanding. Right. So, uh, I mean, this was an obvious move, right? I mean, he was the assistant. He was heavily involved uh, with that room, as you mentioned, Andy. So, I mean, it, it made sense with Stenovich getting the, the well-deserved promotion. Really happy to see he's staying in Green Bay. Um, but yeah, just a move that made sense. And uh, he looks, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen a picture of Luke Buckus. He looks the part of an O-line coach. Perry, look it up right now. I want a reaction from you on the pod. He looks just like an offensive line coach. Exactly. <laughs> yes. exactly he looks like an offensive line man. He looks like he yeah, could go he and does. start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. So uh, he's the perfect man for the job. I'm all in on it. Once I saw that mug, man, I was like, oh, hell yeah. I, I, this guy's going to smash some beers together in the locker room and, and coach one heck of an O-line. Perry? Yeah, it has <laughs> been kind of wild to track this. And I understand it's hard to watch really great talent like coaching wise leave, but I think it's such a testament to like what Matt LaFleur has built that so many of his staff are getting promotions. That's what this is. They're getting promotions and it sucks because most of the time it means they're going to other teams. And I think with the Getsy move, like that's a lot of institutional knowledge going to a, to a division rival, yeah. which isn't fun, but it's awesome. And it's a positive for the Packers that this is happening. Um, I think keeping either Getsy or Steno was a win. We weren't going to get both. And so I'm really glad it's, it's Adam Stenovich. And again, I agree, Alex, like it's a well-deserved promotion. And I love to see LaFleur promoting internally that Buckus gets that job. And I'm curious to see kind of who else he starts to bring in. I know that they've had a couple of interviews from people outside the building, but um, we didn't touch on it. Cause I know it's kind of old news, but really pumped for Hackett. I hope he succeeds yeah. in Denver. It's a tough, tough place to go and try to win, but he has a lot of really fun weapons out there and they just need to figure out that quarterback position. And then that team can be insane. You're about yeah. to open that can of worms, aren't no, you? No, I don't mean it oh. about, I mean, in general, like obviously <laughs> Drew Locke ain't it. So right. if they figure it out, like, I don't know, maybe Jimmy G goes to the Broncos. I don't know. And I, that team can just be, they can contend, I think, with all the weapons they have. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, going back to Luke Butkus for just a second, when I've been at the training camp practice and stuff like that, you would be hard pressed to know that Luke Butkus wasn't the offensive line coach. He is heavily involved with what that offensive line does. Uh, he, they basically separate him out into two groups and Steno is coaching one group and Butkus is coaching the other. And you would, you would have a hard time differentiating. If you were, if you just went in blind and said, 
I'm not sure which one's the, the offensive line coach and which one's the assistant, you would, you would probably have no idea. It would probably, in fact, just by looks alone, as Alex was mentioning earlier, you'd probably be like, I think Butkus might be the old line <laughs> coach. So he's a really good coach. I've been really impressed with him, just kind of picking up things on the sideline with what he's doing. I think that was an absolute no-brainer move. And as I mentioned you know, yesterday on the video as well, I, I just think that like, obviously keeping Steno is huge, but I would have maybe bet had a little bit more trepidation if he was like all of a sudden going into this offensive coordinator role where he's calling the plays. And like if Lafleur was like a defensive head coach, right. And doing the defense, because he's, he's never done anything really outside of offensive line. He's, he was the run game coordinator this past season, but that's a pretty big jump to all of a sudden be calling plays and doing everything from an offensive standpoint. But the fact that Laf this is going to be Lafleur's offense, he's calling the plays he's experienced in doing so. And you're able to keep Steno and his mind and how he develops offensive linemen and how like all of that in-house I think it's just a massive win for Green Bay and again I think uh I think the Butkus move was uh, a no-brainer question for you yes because Steno offensive line run game coordinator like do you think this is any indication of where this offense is going to lean towards or that's a silly thought and they're going to stay balanced and not be this like power run team <laughs> if if Rodgers is at quarterback uh he's going to change things to see whatever the defense is giving and, and do you know have that autonomy at the line of scrimmage anyway but I don't think it's a dumb question and I thought some of the same thing of I could easily see having this having a little bit more of uh you know you've got you've got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and hopefully at some point an offensive line that consists of David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, maybe a Royce Newman or a Billy Turner like that has the ability to be an offensive line that can go out and move some people and be effective running the ball with Jones and Dylan behind them. Not to mention Patrick Taylor, maybe Kylan Hill at some point, like they, they have the ability to go out. We'll see if Mercedes Lewis is back. DeGuara should continue to develop as a blocker that um, they, they have the ability to be a running football team. And if Adams is gone, who knows what happens there more on that in a second, but I could easily see this becoming more, of a running game. Actually, I want to transition there because there were a couple reports. Um, one that Rogers stayed a little bit longer in green Bay to discuss green Bay's plans, which was sort of planned, but he also stayed much longer. And I think it just is a huge Testament to the open lines of communication that are there this year that were clearly not right. a season ago. And then also Ian Rappaport reporting that it is the expectation that the Packers will tag Devonte Adams, which of course is interesting because they're currently 40 million over the cap. They need to be over 20 million under the cap in order to afford Devonte Adams 20 million uh, tag. Plus, it seems like he doesn't want to be tagged, which Aaron Rodgers has also mentioned. So, Alex, I'll start with you. Thoughts on Rodgers staying long and thoughts on Devonte Adams potentially getting this franchise tag? Yeah, I'll get to Adams second. I want to start with Rodgers because there's this phrase that's been thrown around all day Sunday that ticks me off, man. Cautiously optimistic is what I hear about the Packers when it comes to Aaron Rodgers returning. If you're cautiously optimistic, are you actually optimistic at all? Right? Like, like that's just like expecting a heartbreak, but still not thinking it'll still thinking it'll work out, but maybe it won't. Right? Like, it's just a jumble of words that really means nothing to me. So cautiously optimistic. I hate that phrase. I saw it a lot in, in regards to Rogers. It's good. But to your point, right, th that line of communication that was clearly not there a year ago. Um, you know, he referred to Brian Gutekunst's friendship on the Pat McAfee show last week, which was an interesting term he would not have used a year ago. So there is progress being made. But obviously, uh, we need more than just him staying in Green Bay a little bit longer to be. Uh, super positive, but uh, I mean, we're trending in the right direction. So we'll see. What do you think, Perry? I, 
<laughs> I have still too many thoughts on Rogers for the amount of time we have left on this show. Um, I, I think that if it's not going to put them into further cap hell to have Rogers be back for another year, obviously I'm all for it, right? Like continue to develop Jordan Love. That's the three years Rogers got. He's obviously the best option. He's just won back-to-back MVPs. Like he gives them the best chance to yeah. win. Um, I just, my biggest fear is this like weird middle ground, run it back where they don't like really add anything new and then just kick the can down the road again for a year. And like, at some point you just, yeah, I got to pick the can up and you got to just like rip the bandaid off. And I'm worried that this is just, and I don't think this organization would do that, but I'm worried that it's just going to end up being like this kind of like flailing about you know, okay, let's just do it one more year. Like it hasn't worked the last three years. Like what makes you think it's going to work again with the same exact team? And like you said, they don't have the cap space to really add anybody new. So then you have to like hit a home run in the draft or hope that a guys develop that Amari Rogers becomes some like wide receiver too. It just, it makes me nervous. And I'm not, that's not me saying I want them to move on from Rogers. Cause again, he's their best option at quarterback to win. It's just about what that means for the rest of the team. And really quickly on franchise tag, I would be shocked if the Packers franchise tagged Devonta Adams. They never use it. I think it's a super disrespectful tool and they obviously love Devonta Adams and wouldn't do that. I just don't think that they would do that to him. I don't think that they're going to be able to pay him what he wants. If he, the reports say he wants 30 million, 30 million like I, don't yeah. think they, I don't think that they can do that, but I would be floored if they use the franchise tag. Mm. It's going to be interesting. And I thought Andrew Brandt put out a great, great quote uh, on Twitter. He said, as someone who's managed the cap for 10 years, ignore the drama. They've had a plan for months to deal with the overage. They'll figure it out. And he's right. Mm-hmm. And it's been the consistent message all along is whatever Green Bay wants to do, they can pretty much do. They can't keep everybody. There, there's no chance they can keep everybody. But they can keep a good chunk of this team together. I think, yeah, they're going to lose probably like a Zedarius Smith and a, and a couple other guys, you know, and they could probably shift that around a little bit as to who they want to lose. But I think they also potentially get back in Elton Jenkins, a David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander for a full season. And a lot of these injured guys who weren't able to help for a full season, I think they get some of those guys back too. You add in a draft class on top of that, maybe Brian Gutekunst pulling another Devondre Campbell or Razul Douglas out of thin air. And yeah, I don't, I don't think, and, and the other thing I mentioned too is I don't think 2010 was the best team that they've had in Aaron Rodgers' tenure in Green Bay. That's the team that won the Super Bowl. Just because the team is worse the next two seasons. Um, I don't think that that is necessarily an indicator that they can't win the Super Bowl. We just talked about that. The, the best teams this season may not win the Super Bowl. That's how it happens every year. You just got to get hot at the right time. And we saw that with the teams that are playing right now. Last thing I'll put on that. And I know Alex, you want to say something, but Ryan Wood, I thought posted as well. Like I don't think there's anything that showed up in the NFC in the playoffs this year that would say it, especially with Brady being gone. I don't think there's anything that would say like green Bay can't win the NFC next year. Not a thing. Um, now some team is also going to go all in and develop that, but Alex, we got about a minute and a half left, but I want to get your thought there. I just wanted to say, you sound awfully cautiously optimistic when we're talking (laughs) about next year's team, right? Like, uh, I mean, yeah, I love the optimism. We'll see. And that's a great point in real optimism land. Uh, you know, that wasn't the best team we've seen some of the best teams the last couple of years that Rogers has had. And if he's back, you always have a chance, which is something you got to keep in mind. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Let's hope for the best. Perry, where can we follow you? What are you working on? Tell us all about it. 
Um, just follow me on Twitter and also follow Pax What She Said on Twitter and you'll get all the updates on the podcast there. We're going back to once a week, no more Monday recaps because, you know, there's no games. Um, so you can just get an episode every Thursday, Friday from me and Maggie. And Alex. That's a good follow. I tend to agree. You can find me at Alex underscore Strofe. You can also hear me on the ESPN Madison Airwaves every day, 2 to 4 p.m. So if you're in the area, tune into 100.5. Thanks, Andy. You bet. You guys are the absolute best. We have a Super Bowl Freaking Bengals Rams. Can't wait. Joe Burrow fest. Joe Burrow gets all of his fashion ideas from me, which is why I'm such a huge fan. Uh, for those Hopefully he doesn't get his audio, food takes from you. I love the fact that people on the audio are going to be able to hear Perry's eye roll, uh, even if you're not watching <laughs> on video. Oh, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. I'll be right back here tomorrow on video. We'll be right back here tomorrow on the audio podcast as well. But until next time, and as always, Perry. Go Paco. Go Paco. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.